start? I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes. Of course. The Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. 
I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? There you go. Come on, let's give it up for the chosen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to church today. We're in part seven. Everybody say seven. We're in part seven of the Gospel of John. And you can see John sitting there on the steps listening in so he didn't miss anything for the book that we are currently reading. So uh, go out. Hey, this is your last week to watch the Chosen episode one and two of season three in the theaters. Go support them, and then soon it'll be on the app, all of season three. It's going to be awesome. If you haven't watched any of it, go back. I think this is from episode seven of season one. But Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad you're here. Isn't it amazing to be part of a church? Thank you. <laughs> um, David texted me this week. It was pretty cool. He's like, this is my fifth. I've been here for five years at New Hope because he had posted on Facebook. And so who's been here just under a year at, at New Hope Church? Under a year, year and under. Come on, let's give it up for those folks. Some people are like, this is my first day. I don't know if I'm going to stay. These people are crazy. Who's been here at least five years or under? Five and under. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. Ten years, 30 years. Davis, you better keep your hand up, sir. Um, so I've been here six and a half years in New Hope. Love it. Happy to be your pastor. And I'll just tell you this. When I was, when I was eight years old, I had a, a church a life-giving church like this that I was part of. It was a lot smaller, and we had a basement. Anybody do Sunday school in the basement when you were a kid up in New York maybe, right? And so I remember in eight years old, down in Sunday school, I had this teacher, and I can still remember him teaching me about Jesus. 
And I can still remember him praying with me and teaching me how to memorize scripture. And you know what? That's why we're here. We're here because of people who shared the gospel with us, shared the good news with us. And so let's not stop sharing the good news. Amen? Men of New Hope, it's time. Start sharing the news in the kids' wing. You're like, oh, wait, I'm going to stop amening right there. We need good men, amen, to share the gospel in our community. Good women to share the gospel wherever you can. This week, I got to be at FCA at the high school, and I got to share the good news there. And uh, it was awesome. So today... The reason why I keep talking about the good news, we are going to be studying John 3 today, which is like the, the epitome of the gospel. It's this moment where Nicodemus shows up and asks Jesus questions, and Jesus shares the gospel with him. But guess what? 2,000 years later, we're still using the same scripture, right? Wrestlers put this scripture on them. Not sure why. That's weird. However, it's the most famous scripture. We're going we're gonna to learn uh, and learn more about it today. So the first idea I have for you today, I'm going to have you write these down if you have a way to do it in your phone. Um, because I think that you can come and share this with, go and share this with others this week. As we um, walk towards Christmas, as we think of hope, as we think of preparation Um, I think of this idea, Jesus always has time for us. Do you believe that? Since God created time, guess what? He can create time for you. he, He is not pinned in. He is not housed. He is not imprisoned by our timeline. Isn't that great? Amen. That he is outside of our time. And time to us is a very important thing, isn't it? We think of time on this linear, this linear idea, right? I was born, I went to school, I graduated, I got a job, I had kids, I made money after the kids, right? Finally, yeah, no. I retired, I went to be with the Lord. We think of time like that. God doesn't have to worry about time like that. He is above time because he created time. Have you ever, have you ever said, ah, I don't think I have time for that? Especially this time of year, right? We're, we're looking at the calendar. We're like, whoa, they're doing all of these things, and I don't know if I'm going to have time for that one. Or you'd be like, ah, I could make time for that. Really? You can make time, right? Only God can make time, people. Next time you think of that idea, maybe you'll think of that. But those are some phrases that we use. But did you know that Jesus always has time for you, for me, even Nicodemus? Let's take a look here at verse 1 and 2 of John 3. If you have your Bibles there, if not, it's up here. There was, a na- there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, all right? 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Isn't it interesting when we think about this? Because last week we ended with chapter 2. And I believe that Nicodemus was part of the group carrying over from chapter 2. So let's look at the last three verses of chapter 2 for a moment, if you wouldn't mind. There we go. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell them about Tell him about human nature, for he knew what he was in each person's heart. So we have, we have Nicodemus. He had been hearing rumblings about Christ. Maybe he was here at, the, at this Passover. And now he wants to have a one-on-one with Jesus. You know that when you want to have a one-on-one with Jesus, he has time for you. And you see this Nicodemus guy. Maybe Nicodemus is a busy guy. Right? Maybe he is busy. He's, he's an influential person. He's a ruler of the day. But I really believe that Nicodemus in John 3 comes to Christ for all of us. We get to see into a situation that we could possibly have with Christ. And that we should. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Amen? So, perhaps Nicodemus came at night because he was timid. Or perhaps he wanted an uninterrupted interview with Christ. Or, he didn't want anybody to know he was with Christ. We're not quite sure why it was at night. But those are some ideas. And what I love about this situation, and what I love about the chosen, it's not perfect, but it gives you a little glimpse of what it could have looked like, right? They're on the rooftop. You've got the city in the background. You hear the crickets, right? You have this amazing moment, and Jesus starts sharing the gospel. And he makes time, he creates time for Nicodemus, and he creates time for you and for me. So the big question, even at the end of this first point, do you have time for Christ? Right? At Christmas, we're, we're all busy with parties and gifts and decorating things. But why are we here? For Jesus, we, I've heard of churches like, oh, we're canceled. We canceled church on Christmas. But isn't this why we're all here? It's like, I can't believe they're having church on Christmas. Bah humbug. Bah, bah, bah. You got to be kidding me, right? Isn't that what it's all about? Come on, people. Jesus always has time for us. Number two, everybody say two. Jesus always speaks the truth to us. Did you know that Nicodemus is not a perfect person? Did you know that your pastor is not a perfect person? 
Man, I had a crazy week this week. Have you ever have you ever not canceled a subscription and then they then they charge you for it a year later and then you call them and say why did you charge me this? And then you get a little hot with people on the phone. I had one of those weeks. I had to literally apologize to my family. I said, "Sorry." They took money. I, don't you hate it when people take money from you? And they still didn't give it back. I'm like, so can you pay for all of my family to go to this place too? We are not perfect, are we? Nicodemus shows up just like us. Imperfect. Sin, sinful from the day we were born, it says in the Bible, Right? And he shows up, and Jesus speaks the truth to him. Look at this, number two. Jesus always speaks the truth to us. He's not going to sugarcoat it. But guess what? He will be kind with the truth. Amen? John 3, 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What a statement, church. And this statement is not just for Nicodemus. It's for everybody in the room. Unless you are born again. And really, Jesus' reply to Nicodemus shatters the Jewish assumption that their racial identity, their how, where, who they were born... Their culture assumed that they would have a place in God's kingdom. If I read it right, it says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, didn't give like a caveat and say, except for Jews. That's a hard one, isn't it? Because I kind of grew up thinking that. Jesus made it plain that a man's first birth does not assume him a place in God's kingdom. Well, I was born into a Christian family. You know, I've talked to people before. Hey, are you right with the Lord? If he came back today, would you be ready? Oh, well, my mom is a Christian. My, my dad, my grandparents, we live in a Christian nation. Listen, none of that matters. Are you born again? Unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom. Only being born again gives you that assurance. It was amazing. I had a young man in my office this week. And I got to walk through the gospel message with him. And I said, do you believe? He says, I believe. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good news? And I said, this is, yeah. And this is the moment you start, you start your journey. The moment you are, the moment you are saved, does that mean you're perfect? Oh, don't have to do anything anymore? No, that's my journey. That's the, just the beginning of the journey with the Lord. It was taught widely among the Jews that 
at the time, since they, they were descendants from Abraham, they were automatically assured heaven. In fact, some rabbis taught that Abraham stood watch at the gate of hell just so they were like, are you Jewish? No, you can go in. You're Jewish. Oh, you're not going to hell. That's what some rabbis taught, that, that Abraham was there waiting at the gates. Born again, remember, I like how Nicodemus gets to the physical. He's like, do I have to be, like, physically born again? My mom's not here. How is that going to happen? Now, this is a spiritual. You've already been physically born. This is a spiritual rebirth. Jesus is showing us the difference in our physical birth and our spiritual birth. Imagine how straightforward a statement this is. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So the question at this one is, are you born again? Are you born again? Look, look, at, the, look at the next part of the story here. John 3, 4 to 8. What do you mean? Explain Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I love that Nicodemus has this moment, right? Sometimes we feel like we can't ask questions. You know, this isn't a bad question to ask. You know that Jesus allows us to ask any question we want. I believe that church should be a place where we can ask any question. Because guess what? We have the answer in the word. We, the Holy Spirit will teach us. God will teach us. He'll speak to us when we have questions. To you, you might, like, that's kind of a dumb question. No. No question is dumb. I think we should be a church where we discuss anything and everything because that's how we grow. Verse 5 says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And look at verse 6 here. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from and where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Church, I'm going to give you a way out, and me a way out. I'm your pastor. We don't know how it works. We just have faith. Amen? And we say, Lord, I want to be born again. Save me. Amen? All right. So I need a couple chairs. You want to grab one of these chairs for me, Mr. David, if you don't mind? Now, at the uh, school this week, I got to share, I got to share the gospel and this is kind of how I shared it. Thanks, guys. Just right in the middle together. You don't have to connect them or anything. Come on, let's give it up for these men. Thank you, guys. I'll just put them. Perfect. 
So at the school this week, I got to I got to share the gospel with students. And this is how I showed it, and I'll show it here in a few minutes, and then you can you can teach others. But number three, everybody say three. Here it is. Jesus and his mission revealed to us. Look at this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's mission is very evident in this one verse. You know, there's 31, over 31,000 verses in the Bible, and this is the one you hear most often. Everybody knows this one. Really, we've, I guess we've done a great job in Western culture teaching people John 3.16. Imagine the greatest story of all time. God sends Jesus to be with us. Because God loves us and has a plan for our life. And we learn the object of God's love. Obviously, his son and his people. Amen? So if we think way back into Genesis, what do we see? We see God and man connected, right? God created man to be with him. So can I share the gospel with you today? Everybody knows how to spell gospel? So the first G is what? God created what? Us to be with him. God created us. And guess what? In the beginning, we were with him. But what happened? Oh, our sin separated us. From God. And so there was this massive void between mankind and God, our Creator. And this isn't exactly how I taught our students this week. And then what's the le next letter? S. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. There is nothing you can do on your own to bridge the gap between you and God. We can't read, oh, well, I'm just going to pay some extra money to New Hope Church, and then I'll be saved. I'm going to say sorry to my friend. Nope. I'm going to work really hard at my job. Nope. I'm going to be a really good person. Nope. I'm going to be kind to that nasty person on the phone that took all my money. Nope. None of that is going to connect you back with God. What's the next letter? What is that? P. Paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And so guess what? We now have a bridge. Think of the cross. Jesus paid the price on the cross. So now Jesus comes, just like we read in John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
He believed what he did on the cross, and he rose again. And we have this bridge named Jesus back to our Heavenly Father who, what, created us. Isn't that good news? What's the next letter? What is it? E. Oh, you're, you're good at spelling. Everyone. Every, say everyone. Everyone who trusts in him has eternal life. And then what's the last one? L. Life with Jesus lasts forever. And then guess what happens? We are now back. We will now be back in our rightful place beside our creator. Amen? Amen. Are we learning anything today? You can teach this to someone, can't you? If you want to teach it, let me know. I'll give you the notes. But I love, I love this scripture as we get back into John 3, 16. I love this scripture. It says, whoever believes in him. You know what this describes? The recipients of God's love. Whoever. Or in uh, the King James Version, whosoever. That sounds so much cooler, right? Whosoever. Who is whosoever? Everybody. And so that shows us the recipients, describes the recipients of God's love, should not perish. That describes the intention of God's love. Right? So we have the recipients, we have his intention. God's love actually saves man from eternal destruction. That's awesome. Recipient, we see the intention. And then it says, she'll have everlasting life. I love this part. This describes the duration of God's love. Church, if you are, have been born again, guess what? Your creator the duration of his love is everlasting. You're like, Pastor Landon, this sounds so easy. It was hard. Jesus went to the cross for all of this because there was that void between us and God and someone had to pay the cost and Jesus paid the price on Calvary 2,000 years ago. For you and for me. Crown of thorns. Nails in his hands, feet. In his side. And he died there on the cross. And he rose three days later. Look what the next verse says. And we, we, we heard in the chosen, he was kind of saying this at the end. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think of people that I grew up with, and I feel like a lot of people think that God came to condemn us. I'm, I'm closing up here. I don't, know who's, I don't know who's playing. Or we have this idea that, you know, I hope that I don't get hit by lightning, right? I've heard people be like, I'm backing up. I don't want to get hit by lightning too. 
You've heard of that before? Jesus said in his own words, God didn't send me, his son, to condemn the world. He sent me to save the world. Church, so why are we condemning others? This isn't the bad news. The gospel is the good news. But no, no, Pastor Landon, this is, this is like an elite club. Not, we're not going to let everybody in. What if they, like, dress weird or have different colored hair or they don't quite know how to talk like a Christian or walk like a Christian yet? That's amazing. That's exactly who Jesus came for. Amen? Man, you should have saw me. Still look at me like I'm one of those weird guys. God's still working on me. God didn't come to condemn. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save us. Why would God want to destroy his own creation? Have you ever created something before? You built something. You built a shed or a barn or, you know, a chicken coop. Or a garden. Anybody ever do anything like that around their house? And just one day you're like, ah, I'm just going to destroy it all. It looks so nice. But I'm just going to destroy it all. No, you don't do that. And obviously God doesn't want to destroy his creation. There was a separation and he sent Jesus to bring us all back together. And you know what? The enemy is the one who wants you to feel condemned today. There's two words, there's two C words I, wanna, I want us to learn just for a moment. We got the word condemn. We just talked about that. And then there's this other word, convict. Everybody say convict. God does want us to know we are convicted. Guess what? We're convicted of a crime. It's sin. Right? In the dictionary it says, Convict means declare someone to be guilty of a criminal offense. In God's kingdom, guess what? We are all convicted of this criminal offense called sin. That's what separated us, right? And where we were supposed to pay the penalty of the sin... Imagine you're in, your, in court and you've got all these traffic violations and the judge just says, listen, you did all this right? Yeah, I did all this. All right, we're going to take care of it this time for you. You're like, you're free to go. You're like, what? The government didn't want my money for once? Imagine in such a better, such a greater way, Jesus says, You've been convicted of all of these things. But once you're born again, all of those go away. 
in Revelation says they're remembered no more. The enemy wants us to feel hopeless and condemned. The Bible nicknamed the enemy the accuser. Look what it says in Revelations 12, 10 to 11. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have... Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Amen. And finally, everybody stand. Let's look at this last one. Jesus is always the light we need. So you see all at Christmas time, what do we put up? Lights. We have extra lights today. We've got a bunch of lights over there. We have some lights here, lights there. We have some candles. What does that represent? Jesus the light of the world. Let's look at the last few verses here. We were studying it today in John 3. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Can we bow our heads for a moment today, church? Today's one of those moments that we look back to in our life And say, that was the day I followed Jesus. Or, that was the day I really understood the gospel. So today, my question is for some of you. Is there anyone who says, today is my day. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be born again into God's family. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. Amen. And then today, I have another question. Those of you that know the light, those of you who have been born again, will you share the gospel in word and deed going forward. That's just between you and the Lord. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that we can come in, open up the book, open up the word, and hear from you. And so, God, I just pray that today that we would go away and we wouldn't forget what we heard from you, from your spirit today as we read the word, 
as I taught today. Lord, I, I pray that, that we would go away changed, that we would go away better than when we came in, that, Lord, we now know the gospel. We now can share it with others, and we can visually see that we were separated. And, Jesus, you came to bring us back into that perfect relationship with God the Father, our Creator. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, and we celebrated together today. Come on, I think we can celebrate more. Come on, church.